Don't you want devoted followers who leave their families for you, give their money to you, give their bodies to you, give up their lives for you, consider you God, and will kill for you? Don't you want to become a cult leader? Hello, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast where we also veer off of the serial killer path to delve into other topics within our beloved true crime community. I also want to take just a minute to thank my patrons and sponsors. I don't know who is okay with me calling out their names, so I'll leave it at that. But you guys know who you are. You guys are my heroes. Thank you so, so much. And so, since we're all sort of experiencing the apocalypse, not really, just my humor, I have been watching a lot of Netflix, and I decided to change things up. I went a little crazy, lived a little dangerously, and moved on over to Hulu. I know, I know, I need to calm down. I watched a new John Bonet thing where they were chasing down some new theories, and one of the theories revolved around a cult that seemed so completely ridiculous. I knew you guys would love it. So, this week's podcast will be on a cult called BDX, which stands for Beta Dominion Xenophilia. Beta meaning denoting the second of a series of items. Dominion meaning sovereignty or control. And xenophilia means an attraction to foreign peoples, cultures, or customs. So basically, it means nothing. It's complete nonsense. This cult was founded by Scott Carruthers, so we'll start with him. And by the way, side note, he's often compared to Marshall Applewhite from the Heaven's Gate cult, so there's that. He was actually born Arthur Brooke Crothers on June 30th, 1945 in Maryland. So let's start with some information from that time. In 1945, we are close, very close to seeing the end of World War II. Adolf Hitler was forced to move into his underground bunker. Many of the Nazi concentration camps were being liberated by British and U.S. troops. The Soviet Union reached Berlin, but just before that happened, Adolf Hitler married his longtime girlfriend. They committed suicide. Joseph Goebbels and his wife killed all six of their children. Then they too committed suicide. And though the war was quickly ending in Europe, after the attack on Pearl Harbor by Japan, the U.S. and Japan would continue the fighting until the U.S. dropped the two bombs on Japan. Italian partisans executed Benito Mussolini. Manila, the capital of the Philippines, was liberated by American forces. Mandalay, the capital of Burma, was liberated by British troops. And then finally, the war ended. Fifty nations signed the United Nations Charter, thus creating the United Nations. On a lighter note, Percy Spencer accidentally discovered that microwaves can heat food, and TVs were slowly but surely becoming a regular household item. Other notable people born in 1945 were Rod Stewart, Steve Martin, Bette Midler, 
Goldie Hawn and Davy Jones. So this is the atmosphere that he was born into. And I have to say that I get a lot of feedback stating how happy you guys are that I just get right into it, right? So after researching this guy, I now know completely why you give me that feedback. I had to listen to a couple of podcasts for source material for this guy and one of them it was nearly 30 minutes of them giggling and side stories before they even began to get to the point my god okay so here we go there isn't really much of any information on his parents we know his father worked for the B&O railroad and that his mother was a housewife his father called his mother quote doll but I wasn't able to find either one of their real names. And even though Scott actually went by Arthur or Art until later in his life, I'm just going to keep calling him Scott to save on confusion. He actually changed his name multiple times. We're going to stick with Scott. So Scott was the youngest of three boys, and they were all a couple of years apart. They weren't poor, but the family lived in a two-bedroom house, All three brothers had to share one bedroom. His mother sometimes had up to 20 cats at a time, and needless to say, his house smelled intensely like cat urine. It is reported that Scott didn't get along well with his dad. In fact, one of his older brothers, Joe, later stated in an interview that, quote, it was a test of wills. Now, Scott was extremely intelligent, and his IQ was tested at 138. And as the boys got older, both of his older brothers eventually joined the Air Force. After the last brother had left for the military, Scott decided to drop out of high school his sophomore year or 10th grade, and he enlisted for service. He was just 17 years old at the time. However... He was discharged after only one month before he was even done with basic training. It has been said that he was discharged as being unfit for military service, but Scott told people he was given a series of specialized tests, and when they discovered that he was so very intelligent, they offered him his discharge under special circumstances, implying that they wanted to use him elsewhere. Not long after he got back to Maryland, he met 16-year-old Kathleen. Now, Scott was still 17, and they met at the local prom. So let me explain. From what I understand, proms back then aren't much like what they are now. They were more of a kind of a debutante ball for young ladies to meet men so that they could go on to get married and have babies. So prom wasn't limited to kids just in high school. At least this is how I understood it. Now Kathleen stated that at the prom, his intelligence was obvious and he was charming. He sweet-talked her by telling her he was from, get this, another planet. And she found him quite convincing. He explained to her that his spaceship was parked just up the hill, right outside of town. And his proof was a, quote, glassy rock with gold on it, unquote, that he showed her. 
He told her it was from a creature that had been following him. She fell for it, and the two were married in the summer of 1963. He was 18, and she was 17. So let's talk about something quickly. He wooed her with talk of being an alien and having a spaceship. Around this time, we as a species were just beginning to send things into space out of Earth's atmosphere. Two years before they were married, the first man went into space. In 1961, President Kennedy announced that an American would land on the moon and be returned safely to Earth before the end of the decade. The U.S. launched Telstar 1, which enabled transatlantic television transmissions. So this was the genesis of space programs and so on, just to kind of give you some perspective. Now, the marriage must have been a shotgun wedding because it was just eight months later when their daughter Fawn was born, though she did die when she was only four months old. From what, I don't know. Scott very much lived outside of his means, which means that the couple was often in debt. So to save money, they moved into Scott's parents' house. Not long after, his father died from a massive heart attack. Kathleen stated the house smelled horribly of cat urine, that the furniture was all torn up by the cats and the house was just overall dirty. Oh, and apparently his mother kept a jar of her husband's fingernail clippings around and would proudly show them to people who would visit. Yeah. At some point, Scott and Kathleen moved back out, but... By this time, the marriage was already basically over. Well, why, do you ask? Was it the fact that he was an alien? Is that what finally killed the marriage? Nope. It was because she discovered Scott had gone to prom again with someone else. Keep in mind, he was now 23. The girl's name was Una, and she was 17 years old. It took a while for the divorce to go through, and before it was even finalized, Scott married Una, telling his new bride that Kathleen had passed away. So, you know, okay, things were settled and everything was good for a bit, but then a few years later, Una found Scott in a car with yet another girl that he had met at yet another prom. The new girl was 16-year-old Billy, and Scott was in his late 20s to early 30s at this point. And once Billy turned 18, they too got married, even though Scott was still legally married to Una. And side note, Una busted him with Billy, but didn't divorce him and was then completely unaware that he was still seeing Billy. Now, Billy turned and divorced him two years later, and he was still married to Una, whom he now had a son with. So Scott was still in an active marriage with Una. He had a child and was also married to Billy, who was now divorcing him. Neither girl knew he was in a relationship with the other until years and years later when everything had come to light, even though they lived in the same town. But eventually Una did divorce him. Scott was now 35 and had already been living with a new woman named Rachel, who was his next wife for five years. 
she was 21. Scott was 35. And while he was hopping between women and marriages, he was also job hopping regularly. He was also bouncing checks, which for those outside of the U.S., that just means that he's writing checks for money and the money's not in the bank to cover the check. Una later said that Scott was, quote, the type that if he had $100, he had 150 unquote. He also liked to wear an Air Force uniform and bragged to anyone who would listen about his top-secret government work. Since he was gone from one home for periods of time, being with another woman, he told whichever wife that he traveled for his top-secret jobs. That way, he could visit his other, you know, side family. He even went so far as to installing extra antennas on his car so people would think that he was a cop. Now, Una, just before the divorce and completely unaware of the other women, suggested to Scott that he should, perhaps, go get psychiatric help. And he did agree to go, but he never went. It was at this point that he decided that his name was Scott. He told Billy that he wanted to be called Scott because he and his family had originally been from Scotland and he missed the land, which of course was a complete lie. Then in 1983, 38-year-old Scott had a child with yet another wife. Then later that year, it was discovered that Scott was in a relationship with a 23-year-old woman named Paula, whom he married, and they had a son shortly after the marriage. And at this point, I couldn't really keep up who he was or was not still married to. My God, this is like the old soap operas. But Scott was telling his various wives that he was leaving on these secret missions, and that's how he would explain his long absences. But Scott was telling his various wives that he was leaving on these secret missions, and that's how he would explain his long absences, when actually he was just like, you know, one town over, visiting another wife. Then he met and married a new woman named Randy. He started having these revelations and ambitions, and began collecting people to him with his ideas and philosophies. So, for example, a young couple, Armina and Robert, had been happily married for three years. Armina introduced Robert to Scott, whom she had met at the gym. Scott was now in his 40s and apparently worked out constantly. He was in, like, the greatest shape. The couple themselves were just 25 years old. So Robert was studying to be a teacher and Armina was a nurse or in some kind of nursing. It has been said that Scott inspired them with his stories and he even told them he was an astronaut. But it didn't take long for Robert to get concerned, of course, because he noticed Scott was around a lot and was obviously being flirty with Armina. Scott was even caught playing footsie with her in front of James awkward. Scott even showed up on their doorstep, you know, in tears, stating he had been forced to shoot down one of his partners during an Air Force test mission. Because you know that Air Force pilots go around talking about that sort of thing. 
But Robert had finally had enough and told Armina, no more Scott. She left to go work out and she never came home. All she took with her was a pillow and their cat. She moved in with Scott and Randy and the three lived together. A few months after that, Armina wrote letters and went to court stating that her own father had molested her from the age of 12 to 17, and this legitimately went to court. But then the charges were suddenly dropped, and then she changed her name from Armina to Dashiell, but I'm still going to call her Armina. Her family really never saw her again and only knew where she was based on credit card receipts, which she used to fund Scott's lifestyle. And she wound up in bankruptcy court with over $30,000 in debt. Scott was using her to help fund his new group or cult, if you will. So to catch you up, at this point, Scott is still married to Paula, has a child. He's not living with her full time. She's unaware of the other two women. He is also married to Randy and Armina is living with Randy and Scott. I believe this is all the wives he has at this point, the others having divorced him or in the process. Okay, so in the early 80s, Scott allegedly hurt his hand in some accident while air quotes mountain climbing, which I highly doubt. So he said he doodled something on a napkin, which morphed into an idea on a non-grip exercise dumbbell. In 1984, he named this kind of smaller bowling ball looking contraption, which slips onto the hand like a mitten, the strong put. And over the next few years, he was actually able to cultivate several hundred investors for his company, Strong Put Inc., Now he began networking and he was rather good at it and he convinced people to invest in his invention. One investor was a lawyer and after hearing about it, Scott and the lawyer wrote it all up to be this whole legit thing. Yet another lawyer got involved and both were very impressed with him, one even stating that Scott was the smartest man he'd ever known. Scott was given $200,000 and he created a company with the two lawyers called DR Products, which held Strong Put's patents in 1987. So, as he is gaining notoriety, people of course start asking questions about him, and Scott begins making up these stories about how he met his wives. He said he met Armina as an orphan while stationed in Germany in the Air Force. He said he took her in and raised her, And then once she was of age, they conveniently fell in love. And she would sit right there, straight-faced, and agree with that story. Scott started telling people that he worked for the CIA as well. His investors heard his crazy stories, and of course they thought that he was nuts, but they believed in the product. So they tried to structure the business to where they could get the strong put out on the market but then money came up missing and other factors and things were just not lining up right. But finally, they were publicly available in 1992, and there was this whole New York Times article about this new fitness instrument. So a guy by the name of Steve Rains met Scott, and he printed t-shirts for the business. 
That led to Steve wanting to be Scott's bodyguard. And then that turned into him moving into Scott's home with his wives, though Armina might not have actually ever legally married him. I'm not sure on that one. It was at this point Scott announced to some of his new people that he and Armina were not from this planet, that they had their own language and everything. Scott said they were aliens, and Steve said the language sounded, quote, kind of like Swahili. Scott went on to explain that they were supposed to be hooked up to a mothership, and that they communicated to the mothership through the cats that were trying to help him and his group reconnect. Scott, you know, felt that cats weren't given enough credit, but that cats were the key to the future. Now, I love cats, but... Um, okay. Now, Scott, Randy, and Armina would tell people that they had invented a device they called an inertialist lever that was going to be used by NASA, though I couldn't find out what this inertia lever was going, or inertialist lever was going to do. So some investors in his strong put invention began to realize that their wives were getting you know, involved with Scott. One wife and their daughter actually went to go live with Scott in the house. When asked why he had so many women around him, Scott claimed that his alien race needed positive energy, that women were the keepers of positive energy, and the younger the female, the better. Now, there hasn't been any evidence yet that says he was having sexual relations with these young underage girls, but the consensus is that they were, at the very least, being groomed. Needless to say, the strong put deals fell through, though you can actually still buy one on eBay if you want to see what it looks like. Strong put. Scott even wrote a book about how to use them called The Strong Put Workout System Gain Without Pain. The company, of course, folded, but he owned most of the stocks, so Scott came out rich. Around this time, group members, including Scott, began traveling from Maryland to Colorado, back and forth. This is, of course, where the John Benet Ramsey theory comes into play. But regardless, there was trouble within the group due to Scott sleeping with the other members' wives. This is also when he officially named his cult BDX, or Beta Dominion Xenophilia, which again means nothing. This, he said, was the name of his level of security, which was apparently 39 levels of security above the White House that has the privilege of getting to talk to aliens and the cat aliens. Scott said his role was, quote, to prepare the world because everyone allied with him would be rescued before any calamity hit, unquote. Now, one of his marketing directors asked, quote, well, you know, Scott, some people believe Jesus Christ is going to return to the world and save people, unquote. And Scott replied, quote, who do you think I am, unquote. His followers began writing journals of their daily thoughts, which they would fax to Scott, since his following was beginning to spill out of his house, 
and they often expressed their intense devotion to him and his space-based organization. In 1995, Paula divorced him. I don't exactly know why, but I'm sure she found out about the other women, or perhaps she was just sick of being married to a man that she never saw. Regardless, Armina and Randy would contact her stating that they would deposit money into her account for, you know, basically child support. But Scott himself, he never spoke to her again because he was always on these secret missions. Now, some of the fathers of the children that were brought into BDX with their mothers began to go to court to try to get custody of their children, but it got complicated. This was around 1996-97. The house that they all lived in was larger and it was in a good neighborhood. And of course, no one was complaining about the treatment of the children. You know, they were with their mothers. So nothing was really done. One of the ex-followers said, quote, We had heard that the daughters of the families that were involved in the group, I think one was 13 that he was cultivating to be a princess in the group. I'm not really sure what that meant, but what he was involved with the other women in the group, and the natural assumption is that he was cultivating them as the next step, unquote. Scott began preaching to the members of his cult of an upcoming apocalypse, but that they would survive and everyone else on earth would be destroyed. Though I couldn't find all of the rules of his cult, which I would have loved to find, it was reported that one of the rules included the submission of female followers to the sexual demands of Scott. Another ex-member, quote, Members of the BDX organization believe that they are in touch with a higher alien life form. These people had a secret jargon. They all tried to think and talk like each other. Unquote. So now Scott has plenty of money. He has plenty of women. He now has a limo driver. He has a bodyguard. Things are looking great for Scott. So he decides that now is the time for him to take care of the haters of BDX, so to speak. So even though he openly advertised himself as a government assassin sometimes, he goes and he hires a hitman for something like $110,000 worth of stock, not even cash, to take out four people that were very outspokenly against BDX, as well as kidnap a six-year-old little girl who was the daughter of one of his female followers who had been actually given back into her father's custody. The hitman immediately went and informed the FBI, and in 2002, 57-year-old Scott was arrested and put in prison, along with some of his wives, for plotting to kill those people and the kidnap of that little girl. Then all of those children who were, you know, part of all the custody cases were given back to their fathers or respective families. Those cases were lost once it was discovered what the hell was going on in that group. Scott did eventually get out of jail and was asked if he had anything to do with John Bonet's murder, which of course he denied. 
This documentary I watched was made recently, and Scott is just an old man now. The group BDX seems to be, of course, disbanded at this point. The John Bonet connection is that a woman in prison in Colorado that was traveling from Colorado to Maryland, you know, back and forth, that Scott hired her ex-husband and another man to kidnap John Bonet. The theory is highly improbable at best, but you know, it's on Hulu if you want to see it for yourself. So guys, what do you think? I had not heard of this one at all, and in my attempt to stay sane during our own quote apocalypse, I nosed around Hulu and I found this. Those that follow me on Instagram already know I love cats. And FYI, Rufus is fine. Thank you for asking. But what do you guys make of this? Leave me a comment on YouTube on my channel that is under the same name as this podcast. Consider sponsoring so I can free up more time to make more podcasts for you. And as always, sincerely thank you so, so much for listening. Have a great day.